Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee and she is Tam. Hey, hey Renee, what's up with you? How you doing, Miss Tam? I'm doing most excellent, but let's just jump right into it because you had an excellent week. Not a weekend, but a week down in Reno. Tell us all about your time in Reno. Well, Tam, it was wonderful. It was great. The weather was fantastic. The shows were awesome. The crowds were phenomenal. But that is a long time to be in Reno. <laughs> okay. And for those who don't know, we're talking about Reno, Nevada. It's not quite Las Vegas, but it's a step up from Atlantic City. Is that the best way to describe it? You know what? That is a perfect way to describe it, Tam. Okay. Well, go ahead. Tell us about your long week. My long week in Reno was fantastic. The weather was supposed to be pretty bad for at least four days, but the weather held up. It only rained one day out there. Everything else was just gorgeous, but the crowds were phenomenal. And to be honest with you, Tam, I actually really enjoy uh, playing Reno. It's just that because it's such a long week, it's just grueling. And the two comedians I was with out there, one guy who was headlining was, um, he does magic. So it's like a magic comedy show. He is just a wonderful, wonderful guy and a great act. Uh, his name is Michael Finney. And if you guys ever get a chance to check this guy out, I totally recommend it. But it's just long and grueling. And I'll tell you, when we got back into Burbank, California, I couldn't have been more happier <laughs> in my entire life. It was just good to be back home, Tam. There's something to be said about being on the road. I think about the NASCAR drivers who do this day in and day out. Like, sometimes you just want to be in the comforts of your own bed. More importantly, exactly. you want to be in a city that you choose to live in, not some obscure place. It, just relating it back to NASCAR. Some of the tracks right. are in places that I wouldn't even leave my dog at, you know? Yeah. You know what, Tim? Have you ever thought, because I just thought about this. I wonder if some of these drivers, especially the veterans, I wonder if they get to a point where, like, they don't even want to get behind the wheel of their own vehicle. Like, they just, <laughs> like, they just don't want to get in a car whatsoever. That's a good you point. You think they get that way? That's definitely a good point i don't know because you drove 500 miles in a circle now you gotta I know. well i mean i guess the difference is you're driving 500 miles in a circle with other top drivers as opposed to maybe coming to a place like los angeles where you have people from all over the world who cannot drive and they want to be in the fast <laughs> lane doing 35 <laughs> miles an hour i don't know i know are just stuck on the 405 and just going nowhere Speaking of the 405, this is actually kind of sort of a great segue. So I spent my Saturday at Santa Anita for the Santa Anita Derby. And if you don't know, Santa Anita is a racetrack. It's a racetrack here that's local to Los Angeles. And they have... Right, but not car racetrack, horse yeah, racetrack, horses, just for the, the people ponies. that don't know. Okay, because I'm all about the ponies. So... <laughs> Uh, that sounded a little weird. I like. I was going to say it on... did, but I wasn't going to say anything, Tam. <laughs> I'm like going to let the listeners make that up. I like to bet on the bonies, if that makes sense. 
Santa Anita does their derby, which is approximately a month prior to the Kentucky Derby. And typically they run, I believe it's about 13 or 14 races for that Saturday. And then they also on the big screen play races from other tracks that are happening on that Saturday. All over the United States on Saturdays, the ponies are running. Relating this to what you said about the 405, if you never heard of people in California, we refer to our freeways as the 405, the 110, the 10 Because there's so many. Yeah. Whereas in other states, people say Highway 91 or they're on 85 South or 95 South. We say the because everything's big in Hollywood. (laughs) So the 101 freeway. Getting to my point, I had a wonderful time at the horse races. However, there was a horse when I came to the track, I believe it was the fifth race. But I wanted to kind of check out some of the horses before I placed bets. And I believe it was the sixth race. There was a horse that was named the 101. I was like, holy crap. I wish I would have known because I would have betted on the 101 just, you know, for the fact that the (laughs) horse was named after a highway. That's pretty crazy. Unfortunately, I wasn't in time to place a bet, but I did place my first bet was for the seventh race. I'm sure if you guys love NASCAR, you probably know a little bit about horse racing. But what they do is they bring the horses out so you can kind of check them out before they go on the track. And it's usually about a 15 minute window before they bring out the horses so you can look at them and before they get to the track and line up. Right, right. Like I said, my first race was the seventh race. And I was like, I'm going all out. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to bet a trifecta. And when I got to the counter, the guy was like, do you want that box or straight? And I was like, box. I forgot when you box it, it costs more money. So when he rang up my total because I bet three horses in a trifecta, and then I bet two horses straight as well as to win and to show, and then another horse just to win. For the most part, when he told me how much, I was like, ooh. And you know, you can bet minimum 50 cents, but you know me, I'm a big baller, so I was like $2. You go big or go home. Yeah, I was like $2. (laughs) Man, one of my tickets was $12. I was like, wait a minute. I just got here. I need to pace myself. But saying all that to say, wrapping it up, I had a great time. If you've never been to a horse race, make sure to go out. In fact, if your city has a track, May 5th is Kentucky Derby Day. All the tracks typically run their races and they run the derby race on the big screen. I tell you this, Tam, the one thing that I was able to do at the casino, because I had so much time on my hands, Uh was I was able to sit down in the casino and actually literally watch the race in its entirety. It was fun because I think there were me and maybe two other guys that were actually interested in the race. Now, I think these two other guys, not only did they like NASCAR, but they also bet on it. And uh, one guy actually bet Kyle Busch to win, and he won a pretty nice uh, chunk of change. I think he said he won like $250. but the one funny thing that stood out to me, Tam, was he said, as soon as that wreck happened and he and that wreck took out a lot of the top contenders, I'm sitting there looking at him going, this guy's actually might win 
Like Kyle Busch literally has a really good chance to win. And look what happened. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was. And we're sure you watched the race. Are you aware of what Renee is talking about? But for those who need a little refresher, Renee is talking about the seven car wreck that took out some well-known names. And while we're at it, let's just jump into the top 10 and we'll share our thoughts on everything that happened, plus some other things. So we raced at Texas Motor Speedway, as Renee alluded to, and as you guys already know, Kyle Busch took home the green and white checker flag. Well, actually, is it green and white or is it black and white? I think it's black and white. Okay, yeah. So why am I saying green and white? I don't know. I don't know. That just, I don't know what made me say green and white. Are you looking at a green color or something? I don't know. First of all, I wrote wrote an article. I wonder if I wrote green and white or black and white. Okay, before I break down this top 10, sometimes does this ever happen to you where you know something to be a fact, but then you question yourself? I was writing out something and I wrote the word favor and... I wrote it F-A-V-O-R, but then something said maybe it's F-A-V-O-U-R. And I had to Google it and come to find out. And, and sometimes this just drives me crazy. Apparently, back in the day, American English spelled favor F-A-V-O-U-R. But now it's okay to spell it F-A-V-O-R. I did not know that. Yeah, but how would I have known? I guess that's why I'm glad Google exists. As long as you got it right, though, Tim. Yeah. (laughs) Before it was published. So green and white, black and white, checker flag. Let's just leave it at that. So our top 10 from Texas Motor Speedway, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Jamie McMurray, third place, Eric Jones, fourth place, fifth place was Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, sixth, Kurt Busch, seventh, Bubba Wallace, eighth, Clint Boyer, ninth. And William Byron, 10th. Okay, some notables. The veterans only place one, two, and three because Mm -hmm. it seems like it's an old man's game. Although we don't use the word old on this podcast, I'm going to say it. It's an old man's game showing up every week as of late. Let's see how long that lasts. Six of the top 10 were actually veteran drivers. Yeah. And four. Only four went to the youngins, but that's still a good ratio, to be honest. I'm going to say this, Tam, right off the bat. And congratulations to Kyle Busch. I knew it was going to be a matter of time before him and a JGR driver won a race. But how about Jamie McMurray? How about seeing Jamie McMurray in the top five at that third spot? That's awesome. It is good to see Jamie McMurray back at that level of the game again. And he actually ran a good race because, like I said, I watched the entire race and he actually had a really really good race the entire time. You can't argue with the fact that he came in third place. Now, what we can't argue is when will he win a race because it's been a long time. I mean, Clint Boyer finally broke his 190 race losing streak, but it's time for Jamie McMurray. I think Jamie hasn't won a race since 2013. And if I'm not mistaken, Clint had not won a race before last week since 2012. So it's long overdue for Jamie McMurray, but it's great to see that he's actually running well. And one little tidbit about the top 10 that I just read off, believe it or not, there were only 10 drivers on the lead lap when the race finished, and those were all (laughs) 10 of them. Yeah. 
Chase Elliott, we have not talked about him in a while. And I just kind of feel as if these other younger drivers are still in his thunder. I think because he has not won at this point, our attention spans are low. So we're on to the next hype. And not to use the word hype, because clearly Chase Elliott is a most excellent driver. But right now, everybody's talking about Blaney. Of course, we're talking about Eric Jones, who came away with a fourth place finish. And then William Byron. Yeah. His first year in Cup, he got his top 10, seventh race of the season. Saying that to say, Chase, who came in 11th, it's time for him to kind of do something, like really. You know, and one other thing I want to say about the whole top 10 and the race at Texas, there were 37 cars in that race. We talked about veterans, or at least I talked about veterans being one, two, and three. But guess what? Veteran drivers were also in 33rd place, 34th, 35th, 36th, and 37th. So three top veteran drivers took home one, two, and three spots, but then five well-known veterans rounded out the bottom. And you want to know who those drivers were? Lay them on me. Brad Kozlowski, Denny Hamlin, Jimmy Johnson, and I guess technically as established a couple of weeks ago, Kyle Larson is not necessarily a veteran yet. He will be next year. He's still on that bubble where he's a young driver, but this is his fourth, fifth year, so he will be a veteran next year. And Martin Truex was in 37. Tim, just going back to our guy that we've been talking about, uh, Chase Elliott, I think you're right. I think you hit it right on the head. It's not that he's not racing well or driving well. I think you just hit it right on the head by saying some of these other younger drivers are stealing his thunder because they're just, they seem to be more in the mix. Uh, and I don't know what it is. And I'm not saying Chase Elliott is not in the mix because he is, but it's like, you're right. They are talking about Blaney. They are talking about Jones. They are talking about some of these other guys. And even Daniel Suarez has kind of lost a little bit of his uh, thunder, I think, as well. And unfortunately, he got injured over the weekend. Just a quick note on on top of that, Tam, is uh, the first couple of laps into the race, he got into a a little wreck with uh, our boy, number 88, took over for uh, Dale Jr. Yeah, he got into a, a little bump with Bowman, and he hurt his thumb. Now, it doesn't seem to be any serious injury, but they're going to take a look at it a little bit closer. And I don't know if they were going to do an MRI or what to make sure that he's okay. But uh, hopefully he's okay, but he just kind of injured his thumb there a little bit. But even Daniel Suarez's thunder has kind of calmed down a little bit because it seems like NASCAR is really high on Jones and Blaney and some of these other guys. Yeah. And they really want to be hot on Bubba. I feel like... Oh my goodness. He had another fantastic race. Tam, he had a great race. Seven race. Second top 10. I mean, hey, he ha- he's already had a top five and a top 10 yeah. in his debut season in a cup car. So you can never be mad at that. We'll jump around a little bit because I know we had this as one of the topics we wanted to talk about. But since we brought up Suarez as well as Bubba Wallace, there was a really interesting article on Charlotte Observer that talked about Pretty much those two guys be in the future, like they add diversity. Yes. There was a quote where Daniel Suarez talked about how when he's at the track, some of the young people come up to him and they're like, hey, I'm Mexican too. I didn't know that there was a Mexican driver. 
I'm going to be coming to the track more often. And Bubba has shared some similar stories like that. I don't know if they're the future of NASCAR. And in fact, I mean, they are are diverse drivers, for lack of a better word or statement. But do you feel as if their diversity can actually uplift NASCAR as a sport? I think they can. And I think that they will, Tam. I think it's just a matter of time. And I think it's all going to come together when it's supposed to come together. I don't think it's anything that needs to be rushed or forced, to be honest with you, because I think all of this is just going to come together just as we've seen veteran drivers retire and newer, younger drivers just kind of come in and just kind of blend in all together at the same time. I think it's going to happen in that same manner. I don't think it's anything that NASCAR has to worry about in a sense of, oh my God, our sport is just going to come to a complete halt. I don't think that'll ever happen, but I think it's just going to evolve as time comes. And to be honest with you, I can't wait till we get more diversity in the sport of NASCAR. I think there's going to be more Bubba Wallace's to come. I think there's going to be more Daniel Suarez's to come. We'll have to see how it all pans out in about five right. years. Like, I feel like it's just kind of hard <laughs> to say right now. Yeah. This is always a touchy subject for me, and I'm sure for you as well, because here we are talking about Daniel Suarez, the Mexican driver. You're actually Mexican-American, and we're talking about Bubba Wallace, who is technically, because, I mean, he's half African-American, but in this world, if you have your all. If you got 0.01% African-American, yeah. you're African-American. <laughs> yeah, which is actually weird. Just on a side note, I know. because I feel like when you're Asian-American and you're half Asian and half white, do people say you're Asian or do they say you're white? I think people say that they're Asian because, well, I don't know what it is, but uh, it seems that, the, well, the African-American gene is very dominant. The Mexican, Hispanic, Latino gene is very dominant. It's, And when you compare Asian to just regular Anglo-Saxon American people, I think the Asian gene is more dominant. (laughs) Okay, well, I don't even want to go down that Right, let's not go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) It just came to my mind. I was like, wait, so how does that work? Okay, clearly, we don't know. We live in California where we don't really talk about that kind of stuff, to be honest. I tell you what, though, Tam, one thing I've always told my son, because obviously, you know, my son is half Mexican and half African-American. I've always told him, listen, I don't care and I don't mind what you distinguish yourself as. Just never forget the other and just remember that you always have another side to you that's part of your bloodstream. And I've always told my son that, and he seems to get it. And I hope he lives by that rule, especially when he has his own children. True that. The thing is not that anybody wants you to forget your culture or your other half or your other quarter, but it's just ironic that in the United States, race is just always a topic. It's actually sometimes a little Debbie Downer Yeah, because when I travel and I've had conversations, like in fact, last summer when I was in Madrid drinking sangria at some local market, I don't know how I attracted a table full of people from all over the world. But I mean, at one point, it was probably between 12 and 15 people at the table with me drinking, wow. sangria, drinking sangria and just kind of hanging out. And this well, guy was you like, bringing up bringing all the crowds in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, every place <laughs> I go, I always meet new people. That's why I like to travel. <laughs> but one of the guys at the table was like, yeah, you Americans, you talk about race too much. And I was like, yeah, I know. You're right. 
You should have said, yeah, you're right. We do. And I even do a NASCAR podcast. How about that? That's how much I talk about race. Okay. Well, yeah. Oh, ah, that was funny. Got that. Yeah, I got you there on that one. I got you on this one. So let's not shoot ourselves in the foot and move on. Can you guess what that was a reference to? Kevin Harvick? Of course. And the pit gun. (laughs) Because that is like the topic of NASCAR right now. Yeah. But Tam, he had a really horrible pit road game this past Sunday. I mean, It was horrible. He had not one, not two, but three mistakes. Yeah. And technically one of them wasn't on pit road, but I guess it could have sort of been related because he had a loose tire. Yeah, I had a problem with that, Tam. I don't know if you did, but like that, how do they not make him go to the back of the line on that loose tire? How do you get away with that? Well, there's been some kind of a lot of conversation about NASCAR missing some calls. I mean, it's just, I feel like sometimes NASCAR can't win for losing because it's always something like every single week there's something and we're not talking about racing per se. We're talking about some drama, something didn't go right. right, something with this, something with that. People are mad. Kevin Harvick is mad. In fact, he is super mad because he said that it was embarrassing and pathetic yeah. for the sport to be dealing with the pit gun issues. But in a whole, kind of being a little on the defensive side for NASCAR, this weekend saw a lot of drama in racing because there was an incident in IndyCar as well as an incident in Formula One. I believe there was one of the pit guys broke his leg. It was a lot going on. So these little issues aren't necessarily just isolated to NASCAR. But going back to Kevin Harvick and his thoughts, I kind of am on the side of maybe we should go back to the pit guns that the teams were using before as opposed to this NASCAR standard issued pit gun. Because at the end of the day, the cars aren't necessarily standard issue. I mean, granted, they have some specs and techs and stuff that they have to adhere to. But this is about racing. This is about teams building cars to win and tools and using tools to win. Yeah. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, the first race, obviously, uh, the Daytona 500, they had a whole day where there was no problems. Nobody had a problem with the guns. The guns were all working fine. And then as soon as the next race comes, and then a couple of other races come, now you start getting problems. And I think then that's what the major issue that Kevin Harvick has and uh, some of the other teams that had problems as well. So I think you're right. NASCAR obviously seems to have wanting to do this to cut down on cost, but it's creating a lot of problems for some of these teams and uh, obviously, especially for Kevin Harvick. But I think you're right. I think they need to go back and let these teams just use whatever guns that they were using before because it just doesn't seem like it's working out very well. And it seems like the whole issue is just falling apart. Well, was it that they wanted to cut down on costs or was it that they didn't want other teams to have advantages? Well, actually, it was I don't a little even, bit of I, both. To be honest, I don't know. I forgot. So forgive no, me. I, I, I'm as sure. a matter of fact. Oh, I was going to say, I'm sure there's some listener that's screaming like, how do you not know? Because I forgot. I think uh, just because you just brought it up, it's a little bit of both. They wanted to try to find a way to cut costs and they um, wanted to try to take away what you just said, uh, the advantages of uh, one team over another. But I think this goes back to what we have said before and what you just recently said a few minutes ago. Hey, this is racing. And uh, if you're not trying to get ahead, if you're not trying to get 
some kind of edge against the other guy, well, then you're obviously not doing your best to win a race. And uh, I'm not saying to go out there and cheat. I'm not saying that at all by any means, nor would I ever say that. But it's obvious, though, you want, you want to try to get an advantage some kind of way that's within the rules of the sport and uh, to try to win as many races as you can. Okay, well, there it is. One last thing I did want to ask you, we talked about it a little bit during our NASCAR talk, and we're actually about to jump into our fan comment of the week as well uh, as our predictions. But just a quick question. Do you think Kevin Harvick is a little too crucial? Because he just says what the hell he wants at all times. Like people are always <laughs> mad at Kyle Busch because, well, Kyle Busch just has haters just because people want to hate. I never oh, get yeah. why people hate Kyle Busch the way they do. But just a question to you. Do you feel like Kevin Harvick may need to tone it down? Or are you okay with him being himself and saying exactly how he feels on any given day? Well, to be honest with you, if I'm okay with Kyle Busch being Kyle Busch, Tam, I'm sorry, but I'm okay with Kevin Harvick being Kevin Harvick. And if he wants to be more critical than the next person or any of the drivers out on that track, I'm okay with that, Tam. And I think Harvick sometimes, and more times than not, he does have a point. So it's not like he's just coming up with an excuse. Let's be honest. Kyle Busch has always badmouthed the tires that they use. This past race this Sunday was a perfect example of this. How many bad tires took out some of these drivers? I mean, it was one bad tire after another, and these tires were exploding, and, and these guys were just running right into the wall. But if Kyle Busch can be Kyle Busch, I think I'm okay with Kevin Harvick being Kevin Harvick and whatever he says or does. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So let's jump into our fan comment of the week. This comes from our Twitter chat that happens every week on Mondays, and we changed back to our original time, which is 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Standard Time for the few people or the few of us that are on or in the Pacific Standard Time Zone. We posed a question because there seemed to be so much chatter about people being upset about the race at Texas. We asked a question, 1.5 mile tracks, do you love them or hate them? Are there too many on the schedule? Not enough. We ask our Twitter followers to share their thoughts. And we got some really interesting responses. So the first response came from Kobe Lambert and his user is Kobe, K-O-B-E-L-A-M-B-E-T-H. Kobe writes way too many 1.5 mile tracks. Hopefully 2021 brings more short tracks and road courses. Hashtag NASCAR. Another comment from Mick Rose and his user is GoDucks42 underscore Mick. He writes 2018 schedule, 1.5 mile races, 11. Tracks that are one mile or less, 11. Tracks two miles or greater, 10. Road courses, three. Darlington, one. Pretty balanced to me. I have no issue with any of them. Track is the same for everyone. Line them up and race. Okay. Now, let's take another comment from Ryan Goodrum. And we absolutely adore Ryan because he always chimes in. And we kind of always appreciate, well, not kind of, we do always appreciate his comments. And his user is Ryan underscore Goodrum, G-O-O-D-R-U-M. 
Ryan chimes in and says, I personally think there should be as many 1.5 mile tracks. Okay, I didn't quite understand that, but I guess he's saying there should be as many as as many. I don't know. He says fans want to see more side by side and drivers leaning on one another. The question is, if teams had an option of another tire manufacturer, would that help or hurt racing? So he took it all the way to another level and said, while we're worrying about these 1.5 mile tracks, maybe we should be worried about Goodyear. You know what? That's a really good statement there and a good question if that is posed as a question kind of statement, I guess, if that makes any sense. Never really thought of it that way, Tam. Wow. I mean. (laughs) Well, did you just not say there was always some issue with the tires? Well, according to Kyle Busch, there always is. So, I mean, well, hell, if you look at the race just this past weekend, I mean, how many big name drivers, you would know, were taken out by bad tires that just blew? I mean, it's quite a significant of them. I'm not sure what happened with the whole Denny Hamlin thing. I don't know if that was a tire issue or he just got loose or what, but he took out a whole slew of good drivers there. And uh, I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, this past Sunday was something where it was an issue that it was brought up in the news of NASCAR about how bad these tires were. Yeah, well, ironically, Denny Hamlin blamed it on Eric Amarola. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But then... Brad Keselowski blamed it on aerodynamics. And that's something you have to really think about when you're at the 1.5 mile tracks. I don't know, because as you guys know, I totally understand all the technical stuff, but I don't necessarily get into it on this podcast because it's just not what we talk about. I mean, Brad just kept it 100. He was like, blame it on the aerodynamics. If you can see me, I got my hands up like, I don't know. You know, that was a tough call. When you looked at the replay, I, it could have like been the, that the I don't air know just emoji on my phone right now. Okay. Well, when you look at it, it could have just been that the air was sucked off of Denny. I don't know. I know that I got in trouble on Twitter because I posted a comment about possibly the number ten car just being bad luck. And people took it the wrong way and was like, Eric Amarola did more for the number 10 car than Danica, blah, 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 and seven races in, and he scored this, and oh. (laughs) And I was like, wait a minute, I'm just saying maybe the number 10 car is bad luck, not the driver behind it. Right. But while you're talking about it, we'll see how this season plays out for Eric. And I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to read. Two more comments, and I'm going to drop the mic. Going back to the 1.5-mile track dilemma, user AlexD77 underscore on Twitter, he writes, some 1.5-mile tracks are good, while the rest are honestly boring. That being said, there's too many of them on the schedule. NASCAR really needs to bring in more short tracks and road courses. Hashtag NASCAR talk. We'll read one last comment, and that is from good friend of the show, Front Row Kenny, user Front Row Kenny, as in Kenny Kenny. W. Lee Jr. Kenny writes, I don't hate them. I really hate the fact it takes up such a large chunk of the schedule. There are some 1.5 mile tracks I like, for example, Chicagoland, and Atlanta is also enjoyable to me. Other than that, the amount of those tracks needs to chop down drastically. Okay, everybody seems to 
not understand. And as Mick pointed out, there are 11 1.5 mile races and there are 11 tracks that are one mile and there are 10 tracks that are two miles or 10 races that are two miles or greater. So there's an illusion that we're racing too much at the 1.5 mile tracks when in fact, it's pretty even. And again, I, I haven't double checked his stats. So Mick, I hope you're not making a fool of us and you're actually <laughs> no giving kidding. us some well-researched numbers. And I, he's a NASCAR guy, so I'm assuming that he is. I, and forgive me, because as you guys know, I really do research the facts. I mean, if you read any of my articles that I write weekly for thedrive.com, you know I'm heavy on the research. Yeah. But I didn't research this. Well, I hope with he's right too, because said, I'm, uh, I'm kind of on his side and I'm agreeing with him. So to be honest with you. Well, I mean, if you really look at it, let's see. Atlanta Motor Speedway is a mile and a half track. Charlotte Motor Speedway is a mile and a half. Chicagoland is a mile and a half. We only race once in Chicago. We race twice in Charlotte. Atlanta is one race, right? Yep. Okay. So we're, what is that? Five races so far? Now, Darlington is 1.3, so I'm not quite sure people consider that a mile and a half or a mile track because it's not quite a mile and a half, but it's not quite a mile. And then we have Homestead, Miami. We only race there once. Kansas, we race once, and that's a mile and a half. Kentucky Speedway is a mile and a half. Las Vegas Motor Speedway is a mile and a half, which, in fact, now we're racing twice there. And I'd have to Texas, stuff. I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> okay, Texas Motor Speedway, we raced twice there. That's a mile and a half. So he may be right. I didn't add it all up after uh, we I'll got to five, but, but it sounded about right. And again, this was off the top of my head, Some most of that. I mean, I kind of know most of the tracks and yeah, how many times good, we race, but yeah, I mean, I don't know everything. By any means, I know a little bit of something about NASCAR, but I don't know whether or not they consider Darlington a mile track or a mile and a half because it's not quite either. So I will research that to find out. But saying all that to say before we jump into our predictions for Bristol, which is a short track race. Yep. It just seems as if everybody wants more road courses and more short tracks. And guess who doesn't? This uh, girl right damn. here. Because, yeah, you guys know I'm not really a fan of road courses. I've been told that I don't really like racing because I'm definitely a fan of restrictor plate racing. And I like the super speedway. So see me at Talladega and see me at Daytona. Yeah, you know? there you go. Mike drop. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I like side by side real racing i don't like when the cars are separated i mean let's just kind of really quickly just jump back into when we read the top 10 it was only 10 cars on the lead lap you yeah, had some drivers right. that were laps behind and they didn't even have an accident they just weren't that fast so right. there was some action at texas but i totally get what people are saying that it's underwhelming sometimes at the one and a half mile tracks there's yeah. no action that's why you hear me doing my hands like such that's why <laughs> i like super speedways 
Okay, it is time for some predictions. Renee, here we got? go. It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Miss Tam, we are in Bristol. At Bristol, I should say. Now well, we're in Bristol and at Bristol. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to, um, and this is the one thing I kind of hated about myself this past week. I was going to wait until we got to Bristol to say that I was going to pick Kyle Busch. And he just won a race, just a, a race earlier than what I wanted to pick him at. <laughs> but believe it or not, I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin at, at Bristol. And I don't know why. I don't know where that pick just came from. It just, I don't know what it is that Denny Hamlin is just one of these guys in these short track races that I just like all the time. But I'm going to pick Denny Hamlin to uh, come away with the checkered flag at Bristol. And if I had to pick a younger driver to win, I think I might go with Blaney on this one. I would go with Blaney, but I'm going to take Denny Hamlin as my guy to win the checkered flag. And those are my picks and I'm sticking with them. Okay. Those are Renee's picks for the great, what, wait, actually, what do they call Bristol? I forgot. Oh, it's called the last great Coliseum. That's what they call Bristol. I'm not, I don't know if I agree with that because I live in Los Angeles where the original, well, not the original, but where the no, Coliseum, yeah, as the in Coliseum where the Olympics exactly. were. Although I have been to Athens, and I've been to all of that stuff in Athens. In fact, I just have a really crazy story about how I walked probably 100 miles, and one day I saw people walking in and out this building, and I just walked in there, and I, I just felt magical. And then I was looking around, and I saw people looking at the sky, and I looked up, and I was like, wait. Am I at the Pantheon? I had no idea. I just randomly walked in the building. <laughs> but I will tell Surprise! you, was, just the history and the feeling, and there's just something that takes over you. I don't know how to explain it. But if you guys have never been to Rome, I challenge you to go to Rome and to really understand what I'm trying to explain about being in that city. I mean, even when I went to the Vatican, like I'm not Catholic, but... First of all, the Vatican is a very interesting place because it has history Mm -hmm. from around the world. I mean, they even have mummies and artifacts from the Great Pyramids. It's actually something else, I think, going on at the Vatican than we know. But if you ever watched an episode or if you ever watch, what is the shows with Nicolas Cage? National Treasure, I guess. We're getting way off topic, but no, I know what you're saying. Okay, well, hey, we're never off topic when we're talking about my man, Nicolas Cage. Uh By the way, I have an autographed photo of Nicolas Cage where he writes my full government name on there because he likes me. So that was random, and yes, we're off topic, but okay. Getting back to the Great Coliseum that is, or the last Great Coliseum that is Bristol, Before I give you my predictions, I always like to drop off a gem, which is the past 10 winners. We raced twice at Bristol. We've been racing at Bristol twice a year since the beginning, which is 1961. That's actually when the first race was held at Bristol. So without further ado, the past 10 winners are in 2008, Jeff Burton, 2009, Kyle Busch, 2010, Jimmy Johnson, 2011, Kyle Busch, 2012, Brad Keselowski, 2013, Casey Kane, 2014. Yeah, I have a side comment about that, but I don't want to get sidetracked it. Yeah, don't. (laughs) 2014, Carl Edwards, 2015, 
Matt Kenseth, we miss you. 2016, Carl Edwards, and 2017, Jimmy Johnson. So last year, Jimmy Johnson actually won the first race of the year at Bristol because we raced twice. And the past 10 that I just read off were actually the past 10 for the first race of the year at Bristol. Some notables, Kyle Busch, your pick to win at Bristol this weekend is a six-time Cup winner at Bristol. Actually, I went with Denny Hamlin, but... uh... I, oh, I did, I did want to Hamlin. pick Kyle Busch. I did want to pick Kyle oh, Busch, yeah, but I, yeah, I'm going to yeah. go with Denny Hamlin. Well, yeah, you you already said you were sticking to your pick. So yeah. Kyle Busch is a six-time winner in the Cup Series at Bristol. His brother, Kurt Busch, is also a five-time winner at Bristol. But guess what? Brother Kurt has not won at Bristol since 2006. Wow. That's like, what, 12 years ago? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Guess what? Kyle Busch, because all that guy does is win. He's a nine-time winner in the Xfinity Series at Bristol, and he's a five-time winner in the Trucks Series at I Bristol. I think I know where this is going, Tim. <laughs> well, if you were adding that up, he's won 20 times at Bristol between Cup, Truck, and Xfinity Series. Okay. Jimmy Johnson... Actually, you know, he's just on a losing streak. I don't like to say losing streak, but he ain't winning and he's not doing that great. So he's losing. (laughs) He actually won, as I said, in 2017, he won the April race. So he won the first race of the season. He's not won a lot at Bristol, but he has won a few times. But what is worth noting is that He has 11 top fives at Bristol and 18 top tens. So he could get it done this weekend. We'll see. And then one other notable is Kevin Harvick. Harvick has 12 top fives and 17 top tens at Bristol. So saying all that to say, I think you know where I'm going because you kind of alluded to it. I'm going to pick Kyle Busch to actually win at Bristol. So I feel like Kyle Busch is about to be on a mission. And I think his mission is to make the haters hate even more. And he's going to win Bristol and possibly another race. I don't think he's going to go for the turkey with three in a row, but I do see him winning at Bristol. And my alternative pick, which will be a young driver, because we like to kind of give props to the youngins. I am feeling as if Ryan Blaney is ready to say hey to 2018 with a win. There you go, folks. We have our predictions set in stone. Those are Tam's picks. You know my picks. We're going to stick to them. If you guys have your predictions, why don't you hit us up on our social media? And as Tam is always saying, you can hit us up across the board on Twitter on Instagram at Turns No Breaks. You can follow us at Turns No Breaks. Hit us up. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can also go to our website, which is www.allturnsnobreaks.com. Check out our website there. Follow us on Facebook. And you can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Google Play. And I believe SoundCloud, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Tim? Yes, and did you say iHeartRadio? And iHeartRadio, which is Tam has always has to remind me. But please, and if Spotify you, and Spotify. <laughs> Look, see, I'm just breaking down just as much as you are. 
If you guys love NASCAR just as much as we do and you know somebody else that loves NASCAR as much as we both do, please turn them on to our podcast because we always appreciate your support and we always appreciate your feedback. And please, please, please be kind to each other. And if anything else, we will see you here next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 